This is our second session on Galatians 1, 11 to 17, and we'll focus on verses 13 and 14, but let's read the context. For I would have you know, brothers, that for, going back here to defend his claim that his gospel was not replaceable, no matter whether an angel came along or he himself came along later and changed it. It was absolutely fixed and true because I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. What do you mean by that, Paul? Support that. Because I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. So its origin and its nature, its understanding, did not come from man. But I received it and was taught it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The Father revealing the Son, Jesus, to me, and the Son speaking the meaning of the death and resurrection of Christ to me. Now, this four here, is what occupies Paul's thinking for quite a ways. He wants to support the fact that he didn't receive it from any man. Rather, what changed Paul, what turned him from a Pharisee opposing Christ to an apostle dying for Christ, is a revelation of Jesus Christ, and nothing else can explain Paul's change, he argues, and this is the argument, because you have heard. So he's he's appealing to something they already know about his past life. You have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. I'm going to stop there. That's not the end of the argument, but it's the most important first premises. Father, I pray that as we try to get inside Paul's head here and see how he's expecting us to be made confident that he is a spokesman for the living Christ, you would show us the validity of his argument. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this four here begins the argument for why only a revelation of Jesus could explain that Paul is no longer a Pharisee and is an apostle of Jesus Christ. And the argument has these elements in it. So here's what they know. One. I persecuted the church of God violently. I tried to make their life absolutely miserable. I hoped that in the way I treated the church, the gospel-preaching church, I was so anti-gospel, I hoped that by my persecution I could end this movement. And two, I tried not only to make their lives miserable, I tried to destroy it. He was breathing out 
murders and threats, according to Acts chapter 9. Third, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. And the root of that advancement was I was so extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Let's think about this sequence of claims that they have heard. You know this about Paul. He's a persecutor of the church. He wasn't a secret inquirer into the truth of Christianity, like, say, Nicodemus. He hated what he heard in the gospel, and he persecuted it. He tried to destroy it. He wasn't in collusion with Christians. He was destroying Christians. He wasn't sneaking around having the gospel kind of grow on him gradually so that he could slip into being an apostle. He hated it. Everything was going in the other direction than being taught the gospel and loving the gospel and being willing to die for the gospel. And then this is probably the most interesting one of all. Why would he say this? I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Why isn't he just content to say, I persecuted and I tried to destroy? Isn't that enough to establish him as a bona fide anti-gospel person? And what what he's saying here is, I found really deep satisfaction in what I was doing. There were no psychological nigglings of my conscience saying, eh, maybe they're right, those Christians. He was advancing in Judaism. The reason that matters is you can see in, in Matthew 23, 5-7, the scribes and Pharisees do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts. They love the place of honor. So when Paul says, I was advancing beyond everybody in my generation, he's saying, I really did love the place of honor, and I got it. The best seats in the synagogues, the greetings in the marketplaces. Paul was a Pharisee, you know. He says in Philippians 3, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. He was through and through one of these Pharisees who wanted to be seen by others, loved the place of honor, loved the greetings. And therefore, he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own people. I was almost number one, if not number one, in gratification for being anti-Christian. And then he says, and my zeal was specifically for the traditions of my fathers. Paul was not a faithful understander of the Old Testament. He was a faithful advocate 
for the rabbinic traditions which had distorted the Old Testament. You see that here in Matthew 15. The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And here's Jesus' answer. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? In other words, when Paul claims to be a superzealot for the traditions of the fathers, he's not claiming to be a faithful interpreter of the Old Testament. He thought he was, but he wasn't. And it's going to take him quite a few years in Arabia to get himself turned around in his understanding of the Old Testament and of the gospel. So what's the argument here? What's this for mean? I think it means something like this. Let me write out the sentence. His anti-gospel position. So that's what we've just seen in verse 13 and 14. His anti-gospel pre-Christian tradition was so firm and deep and satisfying that the change to being a preacher of the gospel at the risk of misery. He lived with so much misery and death eventually died for the gospel is explainable only by, what shall we say, a divine intervention, a revelation of Jesus. That's his argument, isn't it? I did not receive, I did not receive any of this from man, nor was I taught it. And the reason is that you know what kind of person I was. I was a persecutor. I was a Christ destroyer. I was a satisfied Pharisee beyond all of my kinsmen. I loved the traditions of my fathers. And now I'm an apostle of the gospel. There is no explanation for this, he says, except a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's his claim to those churches in Galatia. Now we'll see the rest of his argument unfold, starting at verse 15 here. He's not done, but that's the essence of it. And it has a very great power to catch us up and to draw us in with its validity. 